Well, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the 49ers Cowboys, and it was the Kings preseason opener in Vancouver against the Raptors. We're all all over both today. Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason. At first things first, Kyle, I can't believe you had a hard time finding the stream. I know you're not the only one, but I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, man, but but I'm technologically challenged, though. I will admit that. You know, if it's on TV or, or my, my Xfinity, I can find it. But anytime you start getting into streams and stuff like that, you know, I went to kings.com slash live. I had a, got an error message. I went to, uh, you know, live streams. Uh, website, you know, it says I was out of the area, out of range to watch the Kings, even though I was in Folsom. So like 20 miles away, I should have been able to watch it. And then finally, somebody came uh, to the rescue midway through the second quarter and said wow. stream East. And so I missed the first quarter, wow. which was really the Kings best quarter of action. Actually, So I missed the best quarter for the Kings. The rest of the way, I just watched the Raptors get layup after layup, layup after layup. After layup, layup. After yeah. Layup. I, like you, I started too late, like 4.57. I said, okay, I'm going to watch now. And then, uh uh-oh, I got some issues. But I went to Twitter. I figured there's going to be other Kings fans. And I think it was Dave Lack, who's a a longtime listener. He posted a link there, and I was like, boom. So I got right on board. You got on with that, Yeah, because Twitter just, yeah, jumped on Twitter. I tried Dave Lack's link. Oh, did you? And that's the one that told me I was out of range. Oh, okay. And so, and then I tried to You got to move. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I may have to. I may have to uh, live in Golden One Center to catch Kings games, it seems like. But I was frustrated about that because, you know, the Niners are about to come on, so – that was my time, that full, that 20 minutes before Niners kickoff, for me to fully dive into the Kings, watch nothing else, and I couldn't even see it. I, I was a little disappointed. I'm man. sure that a lot of people had the same type of deal going at a laptop, literally on my lap with the TV in front mm-hmm. of me. Um, but, yeah, that first quarter was nice to see the Kings uh, score early. It's just – it's nice, isn't it, Kyle, when, when you have a playoff team, a legitimate playoff team you're rooting for? Because then – Eh, it's just the first preseason game. And I know that's always true for every team to a degree. But in the past for the Kings, as much as they've struggled, an opener like that would have had people going, oh, no. Right. Here ah, we go again, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. Now we can go, eh, and so I'm, uh, Yeah, no need to panic right now, <laughs> right. Kings fans. You're right about that. If this was last year, or two <laughs> yeah. years ago, three years ago, it was, you know, but this team still has hope. And so we're like, ah, it was just preseason. That's when you know you've made it to the upper echelon of the NBA, where you could just ah, it's preseason. We'll see them in a regular season. We're not worried about it. Although I did see some people overreacting. I saw, oh, we're going to lose forty games this year. Somebody yeah. said that. Yeah, yeah, on the on the stream. Oh chat. my gosh, I understand. I you know, understand. you know what? I'm not one of those people, but there are some areas of concern. Like if, if you know who I am, like I want excellence every single night, Whitey. That's what mm-hmm. I expect. We're talking about playing for a championship. And I know it's preseason. I know you guys have had off all off season. You're not going to look sharp. But I would rather this team look sharp and then, you know, be like, oh, it's the preseason, so let's see more, than not look sharp. Like some of the – and I will get to this coming up uh, throughout the next two and a half hours. You know, the defense is still an issue for me, you know. And so – I Really? I, I didn't see any. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Maybe we left the defense here in sack and didn't take it up to Vancouver. And so it was good to see Kings basketball back. Obviously, there were tons of bright spots. But some things that I want this team to get together, want this team to fix. Yeah, I didn't think De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk shot the ball very well. They neither have made a shot. And, you know, well, that's not going to happen. But, hey, that's some of those preseason first game 
rust, right? Almost a jitters. Yeah. It's not yeah. jitters. It's just shaking off some of that rust. Yeah, and we know those two guys, you know, scoring won't be an issue for neither of those guys, Fox or uh, Malik Monk. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not talking about that kind of thing. Like De'Aaron Fox going, what, 0 for 6, yeah. I, I think it was, and, and Malik Monk 0 for 4. You know what? Malik Monk is a bona fide scorer in this league. He did have four assists. He did do some playmaking out there. That's not what I'm – I'm talking about the collective. I'm not worried about any individual players at all when it comes to – I'm talking about the totality, the whole – if we're talking about advancing to the conference finals, competing for a championship, there are some things, and Mike Brown I'm sure would say this, that they have to get better at. By the way, and you could appreciate this more than I could, but, I mean, G-Man did a great job with an unusual presentation. And when they started, he said, you know, our engineers have had a hard time holding this together, but it was great, and he was terrific, and obviously it was just great to hear his voice. But for part of the game, the Kings were playing as if they actually would have rather been watching the 40 minutes <laughs> and the Cowboys. And that was, you know, once that game tilted in the Niners' favor, it was like, good night, Dallas. But there was a really great sense of energy just coming off the TV watching that that 49er Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, and and that was the game of the week. We hyped it up and you know, I, I thought Dallas would be ready. I thought they would be So did they. Uh, yeah, they thought also and I thought they would at least give the Niners uh, a, a puncher's, you know, like make it a fight. This thing was over pretty early. Like very early on you could see that the Niners were clearly the better team. And how about Dallas, the start they had with the penalties early on that kept that first drive going on? Uh, I think there was a personal foul that turned into a 15-yarder. Mm -hmm. Then there was an offsides as well that uh, got him a first down. And so, you know, Dallas, you know, for all the talent, all the names, they are still the same old Cowboys. Undisciplined, lacking cojones in the big games. I mean, Dak Prescott, he was awful. He was. You know, and, and I always said – Throw Dak Prescott in this Niners offense, they'll be just as great. I don't know. I, I, You know, Dak disappointed me yesterday. I will say this. The Cowboys line, offensive line, is terrible. The same not what it used to be. It's not, it's, it's not the Emmitt Smith Shadow. offensive line that, that we saw in the 90s. You know, this was the same offensive line that we saw in the playoffs last season. They could not establish the run game at all. And if you can't establish, if Pollard's not, not you know, getting things done, then it's all on Dak's shoulders. He didn't have a whole lot of time. And so get, kudos to the Niners. But I'm still not ready to crown them <laughs> Super Bowl champs just yet, Whitey. I'm driving around. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm listening to people, you know, Niners fans all around waving to Simone coming in with her Niners shirt. <laughs> Calm down, Simone. It's week five. That's when you know you lost the game no, yet. But Better that's when you know nice. you haven't been there in a while. When you start counting, uh, celebrating in week five, well, that's like the Kings being excited <laughs> that they're six and zero in October. Oh, they're second. Slow down. Talk to me. Give it till late November. All right. Before we start crowning this team, uh, fans are going to be excited. You're five and zero. Oh, it's great and so it's, dominant. It's, Here's a, as far they as they haven't Dallas played goes. anybody yet, though. Whitey, they, they come were supposed on. to have played someone last night. I guess they didn't. They exposed the Cowboys. Dallas, I don't think had a lot of chances to win the game. Their right. best chance was, as you say, establish the run, keep the 49er offense on the field, uh, off the field. Pardon me. Keep the 49er offense on the sideline. Uh, and get a lead and force Brock Purdy to do something he never has to do, and that is play from behind. Right. And they didn't come close to doing any of that. 
not, none of that. Not happened at all. I mean, night. the Niners scored on their first drive, which yeah. you know we've seen time and time again. And you know, give give credit to the Niners. I'm not saying you know last night's game was give credit. Off, uh, You're the guy that just said, no. I know because down. I'm trying. It was a good win, but I, you know what? I came away more disappointed in Dallas than more impressed by the Niners. The Niners are who we thought they were. Give credit to the defense. The defense played their best game, I thought, of the season. They dominated the line of scrimmage. But Dallas was awful yesterday. The penalties, the turnovers. I mean, these are two different teams in different leagues right now. Dallas is playing for a playoff spot. The Niners are playing for a Super Bowl. Yeah, the 49ers, this was supposed to be their biggest game of the year so far, and they rose to the occasion. The defense cut up to the offense. They were great across the board. Dallas looked terrible. I think Dallas is done. Now, they probably can win enough games to get into the playoffs, but the thought of this Dallas team, this core, being a Super Bowl contender, they're just not. Things could change between now and the end of the year, but I think the reality for the Cowboys is you're just not one of the best teams. You're not a Super Bowl contender. Right. You can have a nice season, but if you're going to think of yourselves now as a Super Bowl contender this year, you're just the big D stands for delusional. No, you know, they're being hopeful. You know, they're they're hoping maybe somebody on the Eagles or Niners get hurt. Maybe they can get hot at the right time, but they just don't have, you know, the, the, the intestinal fortitude, if you will, to win a tough game. Now they're going to have to go on the road during the playoffs, I would imagine. Niners aren't going to lose two games. Uh, the Eagles uh, probably aren't going to lose more than two games, if that. And so when I look at this Cowboys team, and I said it beforehand, they're front runners. They're, they're, when things are going well, they're great. They can beat up on the lowly Giants. But coming into this week, Whitey, the opponents that the Cowboys face – a combined record of four and twelve. They had faced three one and uh, four one and three teams. So this not uh, talk, talking about the defense. Number one, they haven't played anybody. And one of those teams still kicked their asses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Arizona still yeah. kicked their butt. So they really haven't played anybody. And so their their three and one record to me was kind of suspect. You know, yeah. it was it was kind of soft. And I think now is when you know because they're down and their record's okay. But this is when you really rely on your head coach to organize things, and you really rely on your organizational organizational pardon me infrastructure to settle things down and get everybody on the right path, on the right track. And I don't think they're capable of doing that. No, you know what? It, 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 watching that game last night showed me the difference between a well-run organization with a great head coach, uh, great players and an organization still trying to figure it out. They're, they're hoping that their right. coach they're can pretending be They're pretending that we got right. everything figured out. Right, but they don't. Right. How many times, all you had to do was look on both sides of the ball. How many times were Niners receivers open and Brock Purdy knew exactly where to go with the ball? Dallas receivers were rarely open. I mean, you know, the Niners defense had them smothered. No running game. I just think, you know, before they even took the field, the systems that the the Niners run are so much better than the Cowboys' offensive system. And so, uh, not the Cowboys, I'm done with them. They're going to be on ESPN. <laughs> They're going to be on all the talk shows. They got the star America's team. They are a mediocre ball club right now. They're hopeful maybe a 10-7 a, a and seven kind of season, but they're no real threats. We talked Friday about how the 49ers had a huge advantage in the coaching department. And I know sometimes it's, it's, it's too easy to point to that. But you look at Dallas and their game plan, 
and how it worked against what the 49er coaches had prepared, and it was no contest. And you could tell the Cowboys thought they were ready, but they were outcoached across the board, and that's another big problem for them going yeah, forward. Yeah, and when you brought that up our last show, uh, you know, I got on you a little bit, you know, give Mike McCarthy some credit, because I was just thinking in-game stuff. I wasn't thinking a week of preparation, the game plan that you put in, how, how you can uh, you be tactical against an opposing defense. I mean, it's clear that the Niners came in with a great plan. The Cowboys, you know, tried to pin their ears back, come at Brock Purdy. The Niners used that aggressiveness against they them did. and took advantage of that, you know. And so I, I just think that, you know, they're, they're night and day, man. One team is playing chess, the other checkers. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, we're back to the Kings when we come right back. Is it going to be Drapes Takes? Drapes dunks. We still, we're still no, waiting to we're, see. No, I'm gonna let the fans decide. <laughs> How about that? The viewers out there, the listeners. I say drapes takes. You say drapes dimes. Your drapes strip. So I like drapes takes. There it is. I like drapes takes. We drapes got that takes. coming up. Debuts for us when we come right back. Drive guys on Sacktown Sports. Some point maybe we can get a poll together here on because uh, drapes. You know drapes takes cool, but. How come you don't like that, man? I, I like it like, fine. Here's the, I, dude, I'm, that's a personal affront to me right now. Well, I realize I've been that waiting for this moment thing. for like 10 years, and I finally got it. You're like, I don't know if I like Drapes Takes. Drapes, Ouch. All, all I'm thinking is, no, I have no problem with the feature. I'm thinking maybe you dress it up a little, but maybe not. You know, maybe at some point we, we see what people would prefer. Drapes Takes, that's fine. Drapes, uh, <laughs> what did you say in the crossover? <laughs> Drapes, dribbles, Dimes and dunks. No, so you can't even get it out, man. Come on. That's disrespectful, Whitey. It is. That, it that is, is I, man. I, I work I hard on Drapes Take. I apologize. You got to understand, Drapes doesn't rhyme with a whole lot, you know? I know. I've been working on it all day. I got nothing here. All right, so last night, Raptors 112, Kings 99. Here it is, the debut of Drapes Takes. Drapes Takes. Here's yeah. what I take away from yesterday's game against the Raptors. One, the defense still has a long way to go. You can't allow 69 points in the first half to this Raptors team, which isn't a good offensive team. You can't allow 72% shooting in the second quarter. Here's the thing. We know the Kings can score. You know, when we talk about what kind of growth we want to see from the Kings as a unit, it's going to come down to defense. They have to play better defense because if they play better defense, Whitey, that 48 wins could have been 52-53. And so I was, a, you know, one thing that I saw, when you look at their shooting numbers yesterday, talking about the Kings offense, one of the things that Mike Brown wants them to get to a point is don't let the offense dictate the defense. Don't let just because you're 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 making shots, then you're going to all of a sudden play defense and vice versa. They didn't shoot the ball well, and they didn't play defense well. So that was one thing I took away that this defense has a long way to go to get to where Mike Brown wants it to be. And I think those things go hand in hand, don't they? To a degree, I mean, you're missing shots, and then you're in transition, and um, the the fast break points wasn't that one sided, but that was all the missed shots put added pressure on the Kings defense, which as we know, and as you know, is already uh, somewhat compromised. Yeah, yeah, I I agree because then, you know, if you start making shots, teams got to set up the offense. With that being said, the Raptors had 20 points in the paint in the second quarter as well. And so, you know, Davion, I thought, played great, but somebody else has to take it upon themselves to say, you know what, I'm not going to let dribble penetration. 
I'm going to close out on these threes, whatever it may be. And, and Toronto is not that great of an offensive team. And so, to me, my biggest takeaway is that the defense still has a way to go uh, here in the preseason. Another takeaway of mine, I'm going to give some positive. All right. Keegan Murray is the real deal. Keegan Murray is going to average 18 to 19 points per game. And here's why, Whitey. He took 10 shots yesterday. Five of them were threes. Five of them were two-pointers. I like to see two-point Keegan a little more. Not a guy that's just standing behind the arc. His first three-pointer that he hit, the dribble handoff from Sabonis, he actually put it on the floor. Uh, the dribble drive dunk that he had, yes. you know, th- to Great start example. the game, mm-hmm. uh, that was amazing. Showed so, the little wiggle. Yeah, too. the little wiggle, you know. <laughs> like, that's one thing Mike Brown told him last year. When you go in, look to hammer it, right? And we saw that yesterday. And so, By the he, way, good sign, right? He, yeah. had, he took more shots than anybody else on the team. Exactly. He can be that guy. He can be that 18, 19 point per game score. We so much, so often want to look at Harrison Barnes to be that guy when Keegan is that guy right there. And so that's why I got him most likely as the most improved player in the NBA. I think he's going to take that kind of leap, go from 12 to 18 to 19 points per game. Okay. Before you move on, just so you know, I'm on record as predicting Keegan will average 20 a game this year. It's one of my you bold said predictions. That? You yes. said that? Oh, yes. man. You just said 18 to I 19. Know, I know. I, I want to take it back now because you said it. But <laughs> No, you might be spot on about that. I think he Somewhere does. Somewhere around there. I, I think he does take a huge leap out there. So that's that's one of my uh, takeaways, a drapes take, if you will. Sasha Vezenkov, legit. A sniper. A great three-point Boom. shooter. Did you see how quick right. he let? Yeah, it's left-handed. Yeah. He, that first one was so quick. He got it off so quick. That's what he's known to do. But then the second one, the corner three, I feel like if he's left wide open, he is money from three-pointer. He was as good as advertised. A little slow out there, a little chunky, I think, on defense, but he's not going to be out there to lock anybody down. I thought it was a good first game from Sasha. I think one of my favorite plays he made, though, and he hit two threes, he had the ball in the corner and there was a, a um, somebody was closing out, and he could have taken a contested yeah. shot. He probably would have made it, but he had somebody for an uncontested shot on the wing, and he popped, and that's King's basketball. Yes. Passed it right over to the open shooter. Right, and he did that a couple of times as well. as another one on the wing where he passed it uh, back on the top of the key, and so his basketball IQ, he didn't come out there trying to force it right. or try to get his own bucket or anything like that. He's a great team player, and I think he'll fit in perfectly with this Kings team. But you did notice some things defensively, huh? We knew he was yeah, going to have some issues. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was, you know, a little slow defensively, maybe out of position as well. Like, uh, he was sort of stagnant. And, and, you know, I worry about the defensive rotation sometimes. I think that's something Mike Brown is going to work on with him, uh, obviously. Uh, another takeaway, uh, since I'm on a roll right yes. here, Whitey, you know, the second unit, they look like a second unit that had not played together. You know, I'm talking about, you know, let me pull up the box score here. Malik Monk, Davion, JaVale McGee, Chris Duarte, and Trey Lyles. That five-man unit, uh, especially in that first half, I'm looking at the numbers. Monk a minus 22, Mitchell minus 22, McGee minus 19, Duarte minus 21, Lyles minus 19. And so I felt like the offensive continuity to flow uh, wasn't there with that second unit. And uh, they had some issues defensively as well. And so that's a work in progress because that's one thing we've talked about is that the Kings are going to be a deeper team. Well, I want to see these guys gel 
and work together. I was a little disappointed in, in that second unit. I still think it's an open question as to whether Coach Brown is really going to rely on a quote unquote just a you know here comes the second unit. You know how it is in the yeah. NBA, yeah, because it's written out. Sometimes you don't want to have well, we'll have De'Aaron Fox in with the with the second unit, whatever. Uh, it would be nice if this that group plays well enough to give them that option. Why do you think, by the way, going back to Sasha, do you have any idea why it took them so long to put Sasha in the game? That's a great question because I was watching that first half and I'm like, did I miss Sasha? Did he already come in and come back out? Why isn't Mike Brown uh, playing him? I think he just um, had an idea of the rotation, wanted to see some other guys. Give him kind of a soft landing. Yeah, soft landing. I, I don't think it's indicative of anything we'll see when the games count, when the games really matter in terms of rotation. I think Sasha is a top eight guy. Uh, on this team, and so I was a little shocked, though, to see him uh, take so long to get into the game. I also think if they are going to play a second unit, per se, then it's pretty clear already to me Sasha belongs on it. Yeah, I think think? so. Yeah, but over who? Over probably Chris Duarte probably uh, would be the guy on the outside looking in. Um, I was shocked that, you know, JaVale McGee got some early burn like he yeah. did. To me, clearly, JaVale McGee is the backup center, at least from what I saw yesterday. Uh, JaVale McGee is going to be a big part. We got the McGee yesterday, yeah, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> we got a little bit of everything from JaVale. But I like the upside because we talked about it last week. JaVale McGee gives the Kings something they haven't had, and that's vertical spacing. That lob that Malika threw to him, that two-man game, the pick and roll, that's going to be money all season long. And now defenders, they got to worry about a lob threat that we just didn't have last season. Mm-hmm. That's what it, it kind of didn't make sense to me because watching the game, I saw a lot of positives where I left feeling like, all right, there's some things that they got in order here, some moves they made that are going to work. And then, you know, you look at the results like, whoa, they just didn't defend at all. So I, I'm probably overreacting a little bit to the to the margin, just a preseason game. But I'm with you. There were a, a real handful of positives. No, a handful of positives. Like we said, Keegan, I thought Davion Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, he he knocked, knocked down a couple threes. I, I thought he looked good because that's the only question about his game, right, is his shooting. And uh, he looked comfortable and confident. Uh, shooting the ball. Uh, Like I said, I thought Keegan played great. I thought, you know, when you looked at Sasha, he played great as well. Uh, What are some other, you know, positives that we can take away? I thought, you know, the offensive unit, even though Fox and uh, Malik Monk uh, didn't play extremely well, that five-man unit, the starting lineup, I thought in that first half, first quarter, played well. They looked like, you know what, they were ready to go. You know, they looked solid. Yeah, put up 35 this is an overreaction, probably, but I'm a little concerned based on the way he played in the postseason about Herder. I want to see him start making some shots, and I know that's one preseason game. Relax. But I'm a little not anxious, but mildly concerned about that. Are you really? A little like, bit. Like, like he's not going to be able to make shots? Or, like, like do you think his shot is all of a sudden vanished from him well, or something like that? He just had such like a that? great <laughs> three-point shooting year last year, right? He had a no, great. He, he, no, he did. This is 40%. Yeah. So I just, it was concerning the way he just couldn't make shots in the postseason. You know, I think when I watch Kevin Herter, and I'm going to keep it real with you guys, Kevin Herter is a tremendous shooter. I do worry when he gets into a little slump 
how can he dig his way out of it? You know, mm-hmm. like we saw in the postseason uh, against the Warriors. You know, he, he may have one or two games where he's not shooting well, but don't let it spiral into four or five games. That's you it. know, and, yes. and, yeah, exactly. How do you dig yourself out? And so that's what I want to see from Kevin Herter. He's going to have great games shooting the ball. He's going to have subpar shooting uh, games shooting the ball, but don't let him linger on. Don't let the, the mm-hmm. poor shooting games linger turn into three or four games. Do we get to Drapes takes? You have some more for us to share with us? Man, I could. I got like all twenty. Right. I we, got like twenty drape takes I can hit you with all throughout the afternoon. All right, we got more drape takes. Uh, also, when we come back, what Brock Purdy did last night—that only great 49er quarterbacks have ever done. By the way, I want to remind you to check out the NorCal Sportsman Show October 14th and 15th at the grounds in Roseville. We're right back on this big fat Monday to drive guys Sacktown Sports. Kyle Draper, Kevin Whitey Gleason, taking you up to Monday Night Football tonight. We've got that right here on Sackdown Sports, the Packers and the Raiders. What I'm going to do, Kyle, of course I'll be listening to the game here on Sackdown Sports, but I'm going to be watching mm. the Spurs and the Thunder tonight. Oh, is that a Wemby cast and uh, NBA TV? NBA TV tonight? NBA TV, yeah. Um, what time is that tipping off? I think you know? it tips off five our time. So we got to rush home right after yes. this and go check it out. That's going to be huge. That's the thing, right? In a preseason. I think but so. I, I want to see Two that. Two rookie of the year candidates. You know, I would say Chet, to me, is my favorite to probably win win rookie of the year. Um, our first look at win being a real game, not just summer league, against a real NBA competition. So, man, it's like Christmas morning. You're yes. giving me a gift right now. <laughs> I, I didn't even know about that Yeah. One. Now, as far as I know, everybody's playing. You never know preseason. Right. But right. as far as I know, everybody's playing at least a little bit. And we're continuing here. We'll get back to the 49ers, but we got Drapes takes on the Kings preseason opener last night. And uh, just to me, I think if I had one takeaway, it's not Whitey's takes, Drapes takes, but I think mine would be, hey, Sasha looked really good. Yes, he did. And I like the fact that the first time he touched the ball, he was looking for a shot. And it was a good shot, too. It wasn't like he tried to force it or anything like that. And, you know, and when I look at who he was on the floor with last night, think about him with with Fox and with Sabonis and some of the open looks that he's going to get uh, during a regular season. And so I, I just think this is another weapon. You know, uh, the Kings will, will be one of the top shooting teams. I mean, they got snipers. They got guys that can, you know, get threes in bunches. You know, you talk about Herder, Malik Monk, Keegan. Let's throw Sasha in there as well. I would not be surprised to see a game where Sasha hits five or six threes in the game. His release is so quick. I'd be surprised if we don't. Right, exactly. I, I would be shocked if we don't. I mean, this guy is just going to add so much. You know, I don't know if he's going to, you know, be a, 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 a you know, like uh, Zachariah said, you know, the second leading scorer <laughs> on the team or whatever. He said, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> But you know, I thought he said third. But hey, okay. Did he say third? All right, yeah, he might have said third. I never know with that guy. But you know, I, I just think you know, one thing about this Kings roster, Whitey, and, and I said this time and time again, Kings fans, listen up. The best teams have guys that can go off for twenty on any given night, and I could legitimately say right now, and I'm counting it as I speak: five, six, seven, eight. They have nine guys on any given night that can get you 20 points. So one night, it might be the Davion game. On one night, it might be the Malik game. It might even be the Sasha game. 
there will be a game or two where Sasha scores 20-plus points, and we're like, man, that was the Sasha game. And so it's going to be hard for opposing defenses to game plan for. Would you agree that the Kings offense, in a lot of ways, is very similar to the Warriors offense because of the Mike Brown influence? So I heard something over the weekend. Sam Mitchell said something at halftime. of the. I was watching the Warriors and the Lakers. And he said something about the Warriors, and I think it applies to the Kings, and I think it applies to Sasha. And Sam Mitchell said, you know, not everybody can play in this offense. He said, um, if you can shoot and you can think and you can move, mm. you can play in this offense. Now, he was talking about the Warriors, but I think it applies also to the Kings. And from what we saw last night, we thought we knew it, but it's a fact. Sasha can shoot, he can think, and he can move, and he's a perfect fit for the Kings offense. Yeah, and, and I think when you look at the Kings offense and the Warriors offense as well, it's not about you know the actual plays. It's how you read the defense. You know, and, and so it's very democratic. It's it's democratic. Everybody, you're going to get your shots. You know, you got to move the ball, make that extra pass, good pass, a good shot to a great shot, that kind of thing. And that's one thing I saw from Sasha is his ability to move without the ball, Whitey. Not just be stagnant. Read the defense. You know, he had a couple of uh, cuts to the basket also uh, for for shots, and so. I just think, and I'm looking at the YouTube chat, Patrick Donaldson says, Sasha plays very smart. I think he does. You know, it's not, you know, he's not in a rush. He's not a big turnover kind of guy. He's not forcing things. And I think, you know, when you look at the success of the Warriors, that's why they're so hard to game plan for because their offense is predicated on your defense, reading the defense, cutting, getting open looks. It's not, you know, uh, run this play and this will get – He's going to get the ball in this situation. Yeah, Yeah, it's – all right, read the defense. And we saw that last season with the Kings. And uh, that's what what makes them so difficult to defend, I think. Yeah. Now, one thing we saw last night with Sasha, and I know last night the lineups don't really matter – but it's a really interesting point to me that you made where, hey, we haven't seen Sasha with Fox yet. Last night, I think at one point, he was on the floor with Len and with Lyle, so he would have been like the three. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. well, that's a little odd. Again, it doesn't matter, but he wasn't really uh, playing the position we're going to see him playing much uh, last yeah, night. Yeah, I think that was Mike Brown saying, let me get a look at him sure. at this position. Yeah. Because, you know, as as great of a shooter as he is, you know, you throw him at the three, he's going to have to defend the three on the other end. And that means, you know, whether it's LeBron or depending on where KD, Jason Tatum, like those kind of guys. OG and OG, OB, yeah. right. And somebody like that. And so I think that was Mike Brown experimenting. I think Sasha's a four. And he's a pretty darn good four in terms of offensively. Can you imagine a, a guy that can spread the floor like that at that position, um, playing offside to bonus? You know, you throw him out there with Keegan at the three, and then you got De'Aaron Fox and Kevin Herter. I mean, you got shooters around him. You got one of the best finishers in Fox that can get downhill and one of the best passing big men. Nightmares for opponents. Kings just have a ton of guys in camp right now. Don't they, they do, right? They got like 20 or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, who else stood out to you last night? Jordan Ford had a nice little game. Yeah. Eight points, made four or five shots. Yeah, good to see, you know, the, the Folsom High uh, product get some uh, run out there. Uh, I wonder how he fits in uh, with this team because right. when you look at it, you obviously have Davion, you have De'Aaron Fox. Who's that third guard? Who is it going to be? Does Mike Brown not trust the other guys and maybe go Malik Monk more as that 
third point guard in that kind of role? Is it going to be uh, a Jordan Ford? Is it going to be a Kobe Jones? Does he get uh, some run at that position? And so I think that's where, you know, that position is up for grabs. You know, Keon Ellis, you know, Stockton zone, you know, he's going back and forth to the G League with Stockton. Can he make uh, some sort of impact? And so when we talk question marks so far here in preseason, who's that third guard for the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, a good sign last night was even though they didn't defend and they lost the game, the offense was still when the regulars were playing Functioning yeah. at a high level. And yeah. proof of that, Sabonis in 16 minutes had six assists. And, <laughs> you know, that's pretty good. And Monk, he didn't make a basket. He didn't make a field goal. But he had four assists yes. in basically 15 minutes. So the op- uh, the offense was operating at a high level. Yeah, and, and when you look at Domas, he was only two of six. You know, last season he was a, a 60% uh, field goal guy. So that number will be better. But you're right. He only played 16 minutes. Extrapolate that to 32 minutes. You're talking 14 points, 12 assists, 12 rebounds. Like, you know, that's a Domas kind of numbers. And so that's why I think he'll he'll be, you know, 19 and 12 and 7 uh, once again. And he has more weapons now, too. And I don't know if you saw last night, and, and, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but they did a little more – uh, pick and roll stuff too. Mm-hmm. I thought you know as mm-hmm. a team, and so I think you you know this offense will be even more diversified. It won't be all dribble handoffs, which we saw the Warriors do a great job in the postseason defending. So you need a little more variety, and that's why I think you know everybody pretty much runs pick and roll at some point, and now the Kings are adding it into their arsenal. Based on what Mike Brown has been saying, I think the key to King's defensive improvement this year, and we all need they re- we all know they need to improve uh, defensively, it's going to be more physicality. Yes. Last night we didn't see a lot of it. Okay, big deal. But that's going to be a key not only in the preseason, but once the regular season starts. That, I think, is the single biggest challenge for these players in this roster. Their coach is demanding that they defend better by getting more physical, and it'll be interested to see uh, the level to which they're able to rise to that challenge. Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to say this, Whitey. When you look at this Kings roster, they have a roster full of nice guys. But when they step on that floor, they got to be nasty. You know, you know, De'Aaron Fox, I want to see him, you know, pick up full court or, you know, harass the opposing uh, point guard. The thing about De'Aaron Fox that, you know, I've seen, you know, in my time here, he's a tremendous counter puncher. And I mean that by saying when you piss him off, he's going to come back at you. You know, I would like to see De'Aaron pissed off right from the opening jump. You know what? Uh, We're taking on Steph Curry. Let me get him. Don't worry about him. I got him tonight. We'll see that very early in the season, obviously, uh, in that second game of the season, the home opener. You know, how do you defend? I want to see De'Aaron Fox defensively get up in somebody. Uh, Same thing with uh, Keegan Murray. You know, I want to see a little edge with Keegan Murray defensively, a little nastiness, if you will. You know, when I watch NBA basketball, some of the best defenders, you know, Marcus Smart, uh, you could talk about Dylan Brooks. Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a perfect uh, example because he's not a dirty player or anything, but you feel him when, when you go against him. That's what I want to see from our guys. Coming up next, how Brock Purdy broke the Cowboys and how the Cowboys and other teams are trying to break one of the 49ers. It's next here with the Drive Guys on Sacktown Sports. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy's as good as Joe Montana. I did say that he reminded me of Joe Montana. And 
thrilled to be working with uh, Kyle Draper. He kind of chuckled at that until <laughs> until what? Until Jesse Suppose said the same thing. Well, his credentials are a little bit uh, better than yours. No offense, but it looks a little Joe Montana-ish out there. Uh-huh. 339-1140, You want to participate today. By the way, all guests and all callers come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. So, again, I'm not saying Brock Purdy is Joe Montana. But Brock Purdy did something last night that only great 49er quarterbacks have done. That doesn't make him great, but it's a fact. He did something that only great 49er quarterbacks have done. Joe Montana did it. Steve Young did it. Last night, Brock Purdy did it. What he did was he broke the Dallas Cowboys. And I know he didn't do it by himself, but the Cowboys, you look at them and what they said last night, didn't see it coming. I mean, they were shell-shocked. Again, it wasn't all Brock Purdy. But you you listen to what Dak Prescott had to say. Put everything into it. Got punched in the mouth. Called it a couple weeks ago, humbling against Arizona. But this may be the most humbling I've ever been a part of. Mm. So they are in a situation, the Cowboys are, where they got to regroup and rethink everything. Because, they, Kyle, they put all their chips in the middle last week, right? They're, this is a big game. Right, This right. is our, yes. our chance to show. Yes. Super Bowl goes through San Francisco. Our chance to show uh, we can compete with these guys. And all they showed was that right now, at least last night, they could not. Yeah, but you know, Whitey, and I'm looking at the drive chart uh, yesterday. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys had one drive longer than six plays. Think about that. They had one drive longer than six plays. They had an 11-play, 78-yard drive. And so... We can call Brock Purdy Joe Montana. We can compare him to Steve Young. I expected a high-scoring game. I expected the Niners' offense to be able to move the ball against this Dallas defense. This Dallas defense, sure, the numbers indicate that they were number one coming in, but they played a bunch of a, a bunch of stiffs, a bunch of lames. Let's keep it real. I thought where the Cowboys, you know, would maybe have an edge is. With the passing game, and they didn't pass. They weren't able to pass the ball at, at all. Had one deep pass that they connected. On, yeah, that, right. You know, C.D. Lamb was a, a non-factor. Gallup was a non-factor as well. And so when I look at it, I think the Cowboys lost this not on the defensive end, but on the offensive end. When you turn it over uh, four times like they did, you 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 don't uh, extend drives. So your defense is out there. A lot more. And so I thought it was on that offense to at least get like 24 or 28 making a game. And so I thought that's where they lost. Purdy played great. The offense played great. But I thought Brock Purdy early on, early, very early, missed a couple of throws, had a couple of balls batted down. And so I thought he looked a little suspect early. And then he settled in and the offense got rolling. But I, I think the Cowboys lost this game on the offensive side of things. Forget the 42 points. I know that's a lot of points, but that defense was being asked an awful lot last night. Well, I know when you have the habit of uh, disrespecting Brock Purdy, it's a hard habit to break. <laughs> it's going to take you. I understand that. You're coming around. You're making progress. It's like, okay, that's okay. But seriously, that's a great point. The 49er defense, we've talked about it a lot this year, how – this was basically a defense first team. And so far this year, a lot of times the offense was playing better. But last night, the defense showed up and showed out. And the linebackers especially dominated the game. And the Cowboys, they couldn't get anything going. And if you can't right. get anything going offensively against the 49ers, your goose is cooked because you got to keep their offense on the sidelines. Right. And you got to, like you said, you got to have long drives. And they had no chance. And Dak 
was like a deer in the headlights last night. Yeah, and I'm looking at, you know, uh, the numbers from, from yesterday's game. Talk about rushing. Dallas rushed the ball 19 times for 57 yards. That's a three-yard uh, per carry average. 49ers. Done. That's not going to get it done. 41 rushes, 170 yards. 4.1 average. That's the difference right there. The battle at the line of scrimmage, that's where Dallas lost it on both ends. And so we could talk about Dak Prescott, who was not good. Clearly not good. A, a 51.6 quarterback rating. But, man, the offense as a whole was horrible. You know, Pollard's turnover, that fumble, uh, I thought was huge, too. That Did was you know a, the 49ers practiced that play? What, the, the punch uh, or the what? Recovering a fumble on the sideline. Side, I didn't know that. I didn't uh, know that either. Uh, yeah. No. They all said, yo, we practiced that. <laughs> I thought for sure someone who was out of bounds kicked it. I thought that's going to be Dallas right. Ball I still. thought somebody had touched yeah. it or something yeah. like that. But that was a tremendous recovery. But, you know, Fred Warner and, and Trey Greenlaw, they owned that game. You know, they pressured Dak. They forced turnovers. They got interceptions. They dropped back in coverage. Like, that was a perfect game defensively, I thought, from the Niners yesterday. I call him Draymond Greenlaw because I always throw the <laughs> I thought, there's 15 yards. I mean, he got away with one last night, but he's always getting those personal fouls. Well, Dray, Draymond Greenlaw. Do you like Peter King? Do you have, as far as his football acumen, do you respect yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, longtime football guy. Yeah, yeah. Why not? football morning in America. He writes <laughs> yeah. every Monday. And he's on um, the games on NBC at halftime, whatever. Because he said today that Brock Purdy is the leading candidate for the MVP award. And I don't think even I agree with that. But that's what Peter King wrote today after last night's game. You know, if it, if his name was Joe Montana or Tom Brady, I would say, you know what, probably. But there's a segment still that doesn't believe in Brock Purdy. He's playing lights out. The numbers are fantastic. You know, but he's in a great offense. He's uh, probably being asked to do less than any of the other Josh Allen, uh, Tua, you know, Patrick Mahomes, any of the other candidates. He's making the right reads. You know, coming into this week, you know, we had talked about Christian McCaffrey perhaps being the MVP. And, you know, CMC had a solid game, a good game. You know, but the Cowboys, I thought, did a good job defensively against him. Um, so Brock Purdy, I think, leapfrogs. Uh, CMC, but I, I still think it's going to take a lot uh, for people to recognize what Brock Purdy is in terms of MVP voting. You know, one of the plays of the game was the flea flicker. Yeah, uh, that and, was a beautiful play. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan confessed. Was it today or was it, I think it was last night he confessed. Uh, the Lions ran the same play yesterday, and it worked. And he said, yeah, we saw that. We did. He said, we've, we've run that before, yeah. but I saw it today. Because they, you know, they could watch games yesterday. They right. weren't playing. Right. So, yeah, we saw how they pulled it off. We decided we would. Yeah, we would let, dust let's, it try off. It. yeah. Let's, let's try it. Let's try it. And that's another one. You know, the Cowboys got their ears pinned back. They're coming at you, you know, and they're chasing the ball wherever. And that, that was a beautiful play, beautiful throw uh, by uh, Purdy to uh, Kittle, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, your boy, uh, George Kittle, who you called as having a big game, three touchdowns. And so, uh, let me ask you, though, because yeah. I, I'm tired of uh, of being the Brock Purdy hater, people coming at me in my Twitter mentions. Wh how do you rate Brock Purdy? Like, who is he? Is is he a, on the same, is he Joe Burrow, Josh? Like, is he 
or is he a quarterback that's taken advantage of a great system and great players around him? I don't know if anybody, no matter who you're talking about, would be a better fit for the 49ers right now. Mm. And I don't, I'm not trying to dodge your question, but I think comparing him, taking him out of the system, and comparing him to other quarterbacks who may have more ability in this area or that area, I understand it, but it's pointless, and I think it it misses the point of why he's so successful. He is the perfect quarterback in this system. Uh, and he does help them. He doesn't just run the system and stay out of the way and let the defense come up with some interceptions and we run the ball. He runs his system at a very high level, better than I think anybody could, even somebody with more physical abilities. You know, he doesn't have a very good arm, and he's got some success on some deep balls. His arm is not very strong, but for this offense right now, he's just about the perfect quarterback, and that's great. <laughs> If you're going to say, well, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Right, he's not so Mahomes. If, is he Trevor Lawrence? You throw him on Jacksonville. Is Jacksonville a, a contender? I don't think so. Um, I don't. Are probably you, not. I mean, even, yeah. I was about Trevor to say. Lawrence hasn't played that great, but he did have a pretty good second no, half No, he had a yesterday. good second half yesterday. And so that that's why it's so hard for me to, you know, go all in on Brock Purdy. I understand that. if you take him out and put him on a lesser team, How's he faring? Right. But here's the thing. When you come right down to it, what does it matter who the MVP is, right, or who uh, leads the league in touchdowns? Who's winning the most games? And they are going to win the most games with him as their quarterback right now. Is, is that really the MVP? That is, is that the criteria uh, it, for MVP? Best quarter quarterback on the best team? Is that what we're doing now? Is is that is that how we give it up? Um, yeah, they probably do base a lot of it on that. What I'm saying is, ultimately, it doesn't matter. The debate about whether he is a can he run as well as Mahomes or does he have a strong arm as Burrow? I don't. It doesn't matter. It's interesting fodder for the radio, but when it comes right down to what's <laughs> happening on the field and who's winning the game, right. It's really not the point. It, 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 but in, I agree with you hundred percent. It is interesting fodder for talk sports radio, sports talk radio, and we have to fill a show till Super Bowl time. Like to yeah. me, I've said it before. Brock Purdy to me is not being judged by what he does in the regular season. I'm judging Brock Purdy when it matters the most in the playoffs. Yep, that's a fair comment, especially fair coming from somebody who has suggested he's kind of Montana-like. Montana's whole thing is for Super Bowls. Yes, exactly. Purdy hadn't even gotten to one yet, (laughs) so I get all that. Uh, This is a real concern for the 5-0 49ers. Lots of people taking a lot of cheap shots at CMC, and we'll get back to those Kings as well. Uh, Why last night's preseason opener was not a total loss. It's coming up here with Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Drive Guys on Sackdown Sports.